0: starting a new series and uh, this series is called the real deal and we 're going to be working our way through the book of James and this morning i 'm going to give us an overview of what James the book of James the Epistle of James in the New Testament is all about now Annie uh, is, uh, over the last couple of years, she's, she loves, she's really got into painting and has been enjoying painting. My daughter Meg, many of you will know, uh, did an art degree and she actually works in a, a, an art gallery in Swansea. And um, here's what I've learned, okay? I haven't learned much about it, apart from uh, needing to clear the mess up afterwards. Um, the, the, what I've learned is this that painting the background you need to paint the background before you focus on the detail I would just get into detail straight away. that's my the way I'm wide I'd want to get into detail but what I've learned from listening to Annie talk about it watching her paint listening to Meg watching her paint is that you've got to paint the background first and you put layer upon layer upon layer before you get into the detail and this it this is how it helps First of all, it creates depth. There's a a moment as you start to look at the detail, the detail starts to stand out because of the depth of the painting that's gone on before. And the second uh, thing is that it ensures those details stand out the details suddenly carry more weight. They stand out, they catch you much more because you've uh, uh, got the background, right? And so this morning, we're going to paint, if you like, the background themes that are going to make the details of what James says sing in the coming weeks. David Pawson, uh, in his Uh, book Unlocking the Bible says of James it's one of the easiest books in the Bible to uh, understand but one of the hardest to put into practice what you've heard and so over the coming weeks we're going to find out that whilst it's a really practical letter it remains deeply challenging and the key word that we're going to come across as we read through this uh, uh, James's letter is the word do. James is all about, seems to be all about doing. The emphasis is on being doers. Not just hearers, but doers. And lots of people over the, over the centuries have struggled with that emphasis. They've struggled with the emphasis uh, 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 that it's about doing rather than being. Doing or beings? Some people would say uh, we need to be. It's all about who we are. And, uh, and some would say, no, no, it's about, they're, they're more practical. They want to do things. James isn't saying uh, doing is more important than being at all. Actually, he is saying that actually we need to be doers out of who we are. It's not one or the other. I mean, if it was one or the other, I'd rather be, because you can get away without doing anything. It's true, isn't it? You know, we would, uh, we would love to be able to just, don't have to do anything, no responsibility, life's a breeze. Actually, James isn't suggesting uh, that it's about being or just doing. No, he's saying, actually, our doing comes out of who we are. What we do comes out of who we are and that's we're going to see is one of the the focuses in James and in Mark's gospel we come across this really interesting moment Uh, and Jesus is in this house and uh, he's teaching, uh, people who have come to listen to him. And his family, his mum and his brothers, now you need to know this, James is one of Jesus' brothers. He is a half-brother, younger half-brother of Jesus. So he's grown up with him and, and uh, Mary and uh, Jesus' brothers, the family, they, they hear what Jesus is doing. And they go to the house where he's gathered people and he's teaching them. And they're outside and they send a message in, your mother and brothers are here. And someone comes in and says to Jesus, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. They want to speak to you. And Jesus says this. He says, who are my mother and brothers? My mother and brothers are those who hear the word and do what it says. The message must have gone back out to the family. They must have been, that must, they must, that must have stung. James would have, that would have stung in James' ears. But James, somehow years later, he's got the point. It's not just about hearing the word, it's about doing it. It's not just about thinking the right things, it's about that impacting the way we live. And so James has learned something. A living faith is more than saying the right thing. Jesus himself tells a, a parable of two brothers uh, in Matthew chapter 21. And um, the father asks them to go out and work in the vineyard. And the one, the one brother says he'll do it, he'll go and work, but then doesn't. And then the other brother says he won't do anything but then changes his mind and does. And Jesus poses the question from the parable, the story. He says, who was the one who pleased the father? And of course, the answer is the one who did what the father asked him to do, even though he'd said he wouldn't in the first place. This is really important to God. Jesus thinks this is really important. If we're gonna please our father in heaven, if we're gonna please God, we will be those who listen to what he says, hear what he says, and put it into practice. So I want to, uh, I'm just going to read, we're not going to read the whole book of James. If we read the whole book of James, it would take about 14 minutes. I know because I did it this morning. When I got up this morning, I stood in my, my, my little room as I was praying, and I just read out loud the book of James. Sometimes it's good to read Scripture. Read it out loud. I tell you, when you read it out loud, it's impacting. Didn't do, I'm not going to do that now, but I'm just going to read the first verse of the book of James because this is we're going to find this unlocks lots of things for us. This is what it says. It just simply says this. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations greetings now i want you to remember what that says james a servant of god and the lord jesus christ because we're going to come into what that means what what james is really getting at what james is really saying as we unpack some of these themes, as we paint the background picture of the book of james and as we in the coming weeks we look at some of the details. So the first, if you like, the first layer of paint, the first theme that I want to pick out is this, that James lays down throughout this book is the centrality of Jesus. The centrality of Jesus. Now, lots of people over the centuries have suggested that James is not theological at all. It's not a theological book. In fact, Martin Luther Called it an epistle of straw. He was so impressed with it. He said, It's a right, strawy epistle. No substance to it. Actually, he wasn't right. And uh, his emphasis, the the emphasis he drew out was wrong. You see, what is theological? What does it, something that's, what does theology mean? You may be here thinking, What on earth does that word mean? It's it's sort of scriptural, it's from the Bible, it's doctrinal, it's telling us something about what? It's telling us something about God, what God is like. That's what theology is. Theology tells us what God is like. It means about the nature of God. And actually, right throughout the book of James, we see under the surface... We may not see a lot on the surface, but overtly, openly, but under the surface, there is a lot about what God's like. Now, I want to say to you, um, my desk upstairs, it doesn't have a sign on it that says Steve's desk. It doesn't have a sign on it that says Steve's desk. But actually, if you looked at my desk, my desk would tell you something about me, about my nature. And I have a a sort of fairly clear desk policy, so I keep it clear. I like it neat and tight. Now, behind me, this is Jonathan Lloyd's desk. (laughs) That will tell you something about Jonathan. Now, when he went away, he's just come back from a trip to India. He went away for about three and a half weeks A trip. Uh, They were ministering with John and Marion in the church in Bangalore, Um, but... They also took a, a, a trip of a lifetime because, uh, because Fran grew up in Bangalore. And so she went back, they went back and had a look of some of the, uh, where Fran spent her childhood. Uh, they had a great trip. It was something that Jonathan promised that they would do many years ago. So it was like God fulfilling a promise. But when he went, his desk was like that. In fact, it was worse. And actually, he doesn't know this. I actually tidied it up. And he came back and he didn't notice. I threw some stuff away. I moved some stuff and hid it. He has no idea. No idea. And he came back and within days, we're going backwards. We're going back to square. Because, you see, actually you can tell something about the nature uh, 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 by just looking and seeing and perceiving. And so as you read through the book of James, there is lots in this book that tells us something about what God is like. And so what we see is this. It doesn't overtly talk a great deal about God. doesn't have big, uh, big theological statements. But it has through it, it has riven through it lots of truth. So James tells us that there's one God and judge. He says that God does not change like shifting shadows in chapter 1 verse 17. He says he's a gracious God and he gives good gifts He's a good God that gives good gifts. He's gracious and loving. God isn't satisfied with lip service. He actually wants our lives. He's jealous for our worship. He doesn't need our worship. He's not lacking our worship. He wants our worship because he is God and He deserves it. We see God riven through James un- under the surface. But perhaps the most damning criticism is that James hardly mentions Jesus. Other New Testament writers like Paul seem to make so much more of the centrality of Jesus. Some of Paul's great statements in Colossians about Jesus and who he is that is the image of the invisible God. They ring through the pages of the Bible, some of Paul's great statements, and yet James doesn't seem to have uh, uh, anything quite like that. I've already mentioned that James was Jesus' younger half-brother. And it appears Joseph, their fa- uh, 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 J- um, James's father, who treated Jesus like his own son, because Jesus was born of the Spirit. Mary was his mother, but he had no father. Father was fathered by the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible says. And Joseph, his surrogate father had died, seems that way. He'd left Jesus as the oldest male in the family. Imagine James's, imagine you're a younger brother, and suddenly your half-brother says, I'm the Messiah. What are you going to say? I think you know what you would say. What is going wrong with him? What is going on? If I said, when I was growing up, I'm the Messiah, my sister already had problems with me, okay? She would have had serious problems with me. Messiah, what are you talking about? Do you see what you did yesterday? That's not very Messiah like, is it? So, James has a problem because his. His half brother has said he's going around telling people he is the Messiah. Extraordinary! The Messiah? What? The family clearly have a problem with it. And, and there's a moment that I referred to earlier where they go to try and sort him out. They've heard what's happening, and it says they're going to take charge of him. It's like they're going to want—they want to take him into custody. They want to take him away. So they're not quite going to lock him up, but they want to take him away. They want to sort him out because this is crazy stuff. They don't understand quite what's going on. They do not believe that he is the Messiah. James does not believe he's the Messiah. And there's a moment in the Gospel of John. John's Gospel. John's telling a story and Jesus. It's coming up to a, 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 there's a, a... There's a feast coming up in Jerusalem. A, one, of their, one of their moments where people gather to worship at the temple temple and his brothers say to him they say why don't you take your what are you mucking around here in out here you need if you're the messiah you need to take your disciples to jerusalem and show them some miracles show them who you are if you want to be a public figure you've got to do stuff in public and it's like they're mocking him they're like if you're the messiah go and prove it to everyone do a few miracles in public go on don't just do stuff back here And Jesus doesn't listen to them. And yet, once they've gone and they've disappeared, behind the scenes, he he goes to Jerusalem without them knowing. He's not going to prove himself to them. You see, subsequently, James comes to faith. James becomes a follower of Jesus. Jesus something happens that convinces James this cynical half-brother he's thinking he is he's lost it he's lost it something happens that changes James's mind forever he might have thought him mad but he would have been devastated when he died on the cross when he saw him die on the cross he would have been devastated one thing and one thing alone changed James's mind. He had a personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. It changed him forever. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus the resurrected Jesus appeared to over 500 of Jesus followers in one moment. And then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to James. James became a believer in that moment. Everything changed. And so James says this, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. James uses an early Christian creed to refer to his half-brother. He uses it's an extraordinary phrase. He just says he describes himself as James. He doesn't say half brother of Jesus. We would have done that. It would all be about us. We want to we live in a world where name dropping and association it sort of elevates us. He doesn't do that at all. James doesn't mention the fact that Jesus is his half brother at all. He doesn't mention that at the time that he wrote this letter. He was leader of the church in Jerusalem, the big flagship church. He's leading it. James, half-brother of Jesus, leader of the church in Jerusalem. Thunder, James. He just wanted people to know he was James, a servant of God. The word servant he uses is the word doulos he, basically a servant is someone who is is a slave is someone who is totally given to their master they they are, they they live at their master's call whatever their master says they do they don't live for themselves anymore they live for their master that is their are that's their life 24 7 they are the beck and call of their master and, and James says I am a slave I am a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am Jesus 24 7 so I will go and do whatever He says. I'm just James. I'm nothing. He is everything. And then he uses these three words: Lord. When they use that word Lord, he's he's saying He is it's the word that's used of God. He's saying He is God. This is God, He is the Lord. He is the one who created all things. He is above and over all. He uses his name, Jesus. Jesus' name, it comes from the, the, the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. James would have remembered that over Jesus as he was born, the, the angels came and said, name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He will save them. He will restore them to relationship with God. That's what, that's what, that's what he heard. And so he's the Lord. He's the Lord. He bet he's Jesus. He will save people. He saved me, James is saying. He saved me from myself. From my proud, arrogant self. I belong to him. I am He is the Christ, the Messiah. He is the one that's going to turn everything right. Make everything right. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He bows the knee. James bows the knee to his half brother. No reference to family anymore. It's all over. This is my Lord and my God. What about us? Have you had a personal encounter? with Jesus. Maybe as a young person you're here because your parents are here and your parents have faith and, and you're struggling, you're looking and you're thinking, are they, are, are they a little bit, I, I don't quite get it. And maybe you're struggling to believe, you're, you're thinking, really? He's the, Jesus rose from the dead, really? Maybe you've come this morning and maybe that's your big question. Yeah, I quite like being in church, but Jesus rose from the dead? Really? Let me tell you, James was like you. He was where you are, but there was a moment everything changed. Everything changed for him. He had an encounter with the resurrected, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And we run something, if, you're, if that's you, whether you're a teenager a late, in your late teens or you're someone who is visiting this morning and you're feeling like that, we run something called the Alpha Course. It's an opportunity for you to find out about Jesus, an opportunity for you to encounter Jesus. And a number of people who have done that. I was with someone, a couple, over this weekend and... They came to the Alpha Course. they didn't know what they believed about Jesus. Came to ask questions, some of them difficult questions. They came to a place where the questions disappeared because they had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ and they became his followers as a result of it. Let me encourage you. If that's you, you can find, you can encounter Jesus. Jesus will encounter you. If you seek, the Bible says you will find He's not hard when he's not hiding from you. He wants you to find him. He wants you to encounter him. So if you want to take that step, why don't you sign up and do Alpha with us? I've got a friend who, many years ago, as uh, in his late teens, he's 19. He met he met some Christians, and um, he didn't know what to make of faith and he didn't know what to make of Jesus. He liked, he liked them, they were nice people but he didn't know what to make. And, and one night he went home and he went home and he prayed this prayer, he said, God if you're real, if you are really there, reveal yourself to me. And he says, he tells me now, years 30 plus years on, 30, I think it's about 35 years on, in that moment he knew. He just woke up and he knew. And I see his dad from time to time. And his dad saying to me, he says, he says, I do not understand. He says, his dad says, I, I, I believe that Jesus was a real person. But that he rose from the dead, I don't know. His son believes. He knows. And he's praying for his dad. Then his dad's latter years that he would encounter the resurrected Christ. James is all about the centrality of Jesus. Very quickly, James is about commitment to truth. This is the second uh, layer of paint, if you like. This, this book is, James's letter is all about the, it's got a lot of Old Testament stuff in it, because there were no New Testament letters. Actually, James's letter was written probably before AD 50. It was probably written before any other of the New Testament books, which basically means it was the first book of the New Testament. There wasn't anything else. And so it would have lots of references to the Old Testament. But right through James's letter, there are loads of references to Jesus' teaching. And so there are about 20 references to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. James' truth is important to James. Now, what is the truth? First and foremost, God's truth is embodied in Jesus. Jesus came, when Jesus came, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus came, he came to reveal what God is like. So when we read about Jesus and Jesus' life in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, when we read about Jesus' life, we see the truth of God revealed. That is what God is like. People go, "Uh, uh, 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 Jesus, what an amazing person. Well, they see what an amazing, that's what God's like. The Bible says he is God. He came to show us what the Father was like. James refers to the scripture as the word of truth. Paul tells Timothy that it needs to be handled well because it's the word of truth. And so when we read the Bible, we're reading what God is saying. This, it's not just some random words, it's the word of God. It's the truth, and so it reveals stuff to us. First and foremost, we look to Jesus. Secondly, we've got the Word of God. The Holy Spirit has come, and the Bible says that He is the Spirit of truth. He reveals truth to us. So the Holy Spirit breathes on the Bible, breathes on what we read about Jesus, and it makes it come alive to us. It's what the truth, the truth, we're told, sets us free Sets us free from living for ourselves, sets us free to live for him. Live for the God who created us and made us. Now, we live in a day where increasing numbers of people are stopping reading the Bible. Decreasing numbers of people read the Bible and believe. Others read it and they're not sure. They read it and they're, they're sort of like very liberal. I don't know whether, but I'll, I'll pick and choose which bits I take. Some don't read it and now don't believe at all. James would be shocked to hear that. He would be shocked. He was committed to the, what the Bible says, he was committed to it. And so his book is full of Old Testament stuff. It's, in fact, his writing is a little like the Proverbs. It's a bit random. He goes from subject to subject. It's a bit scattergun. It's what it feels like. But through it all, it's is, is embedded, it's woven together with Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And, and James, the thing about James is he never wanted people to be burdened with rules and regulations. And so he talks about uh, he talks about... The, the law that brings liberty and when you read it you can read it and you can think oh he's talking about rules old testament rules we've got to do this and we've got to wash our hands and we've got to do that and we've got to say no 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 James isn't talking about that at all he's talking about the law that brings liberty he's talking about about what Jesus has done to set us free and so James doesn't want to burden people with things that are I'm not going to help them live fruitful lives for Christ. And so in Acts chapter 15, you read that there's a, a big conflag in Jerusalem. James is in charge of it. They're talking to Paul and Barnabas and they're talking about uh, people who are non from a non-Jewish background coming to faith. And they're talking about should they make them be circumcised? And actually, they they realize no, we don't, we shouldn't be doing that. And so James writes a letter and says, no, no, I don't want to burden you with anything that's not necessary. And so they strip out lots of that stuff, stuff that was fulfilled because Jesus had died and been raised from the dead. James isn't into burdening us with old style rules and he wants us to live in freedom, in the way that God planned for us to do, that we might live life to the full. There's a commitment to the truth as we read James very quickly there's a culture to embrace James clearly expects followers of Jesus to stand out from the world they live in, he expects them to be living lives that are stand out lives he expects them to be different and all through the things he talks about and we'll cover them in rec- coming weeks, you'll see that actually he's expecting them to stand out, be different Not for difference, because actually there's something happened inside. They live to a different, they sing to a different tune. They march to a different drumbeat. They follow Christ now. They don't follow the ways of this world. They follow what Christ is. What does God say? What does God think about this? I was talking to someone the other day. He was talking about his... Dad's uh, center was talking about his dad, who'd come over. His mum and dad had come over from India, and they came here and and they did some, uh, spent some time talking to John and Marion and and Central and Victoria, and they, they came to faith in Christ from a Hindu background, came to faith in Christ, and we baptised them here. And uh, in terms of, you know, t- I know talking to John and Marion, it was, you know, the language barrier was was complicated, but they clearly came to faith and went back to went back to India and Center was telling me the other day that his sister was so saw such a difference in her dad's life that it caused her to evaluate and she has come to faith in Christ now there's something changes we march to a different tune James expects expects us to embrace a different culture. He wants us, he talks in his uh, his letter, he talks about us being mature and complete people. He's not talking about us being perfect, but he's talking about us being well-rounded, about a heart change, something happening in our hearts. We give our lives to Christ, we follow his lead. He becomes our master. We do what he says. He pours out his spirit on us and enables us to live for him. That's what the Bible says. And so as we read through the book of James, what we're going to see is this. We're going to see it talks about how we handle difficulties and temptations. And we'll talk about that next week. It talks about how we handle ourselves. I tell you, that is difficult. We are so full of all sorts of stuff about Oh, it's about us, and we live in such a me-centric culture. It's all about you and how you feel. Well, no, it isn't. It's about him. When we leave church and we go, well, it didn't do it for me this morning. What did it do for him? Was he pleased with your worship? It's not about us. We live in a world where it says it's got to be about us and how we feel. No, it isn't. No, it doesn't have to be like that. Jesus Christ changes everything. An encounter with him changes everything. And so we're going to find out about how to handle ourselves, what we believe, what we say, what we do, how we handle other people, how we handle wealth. It was clearly causing issues in the early church. And if we really get to grips with what James is saying, we will be a grace-filled people who love God with all our hearts. It will affect us. We will be people who pray. James starts... His letter with prayer, he ends it with prayer. He's a man of prayer. It's said that when James died, uh, one of the uh, early writers, writing of James being martyred in AD 62, he was at the temple. There was a a real, uh, a bit of a riot. They took James to the top of the temple and they said, unless you recant, unless you turn away from saying Jesus was raised from the dead, we're going to throw you off. And he wouldn't, and they threw him off threw him off the temple and he's lying on the ground he's not dead he's still praying he's praying for those who are doing this to him and, and, and this writer says as someone got a big club and whacked him over the head and finished him off and they said it said of his knees his knees the skin on his knees was like the skin of a camel's knee why? because he'd spent so long on his knees in prayer culture embrace. God wants us to be a people who live a different way. Fourthly there's a community to enjoy. James is writing to a community, he's writing to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. I mean that seems to us today to, to have a very Jewish feel to it. Actually if you listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19 verse 28, Jesus is talking about one day there will be God will judge. There will be a judgment over how people have lived their lives. And he talks about uh, his followers, his first disciples, being involved in that judgment over the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jesus is talking about everyone who's a follower of Jesus over the whole world. He's talking about judgment, and he's, he's, he's actually saying... He's using that phrase. And so James isn't saying it's just a Jewish thing. No, 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 it's for us. It's for those who believe. He's writing to a community that have been dispersed, scattered. And James is writing to followers of Jesus, whatever their background. And it's relevant to us. It's relevant to every people, every church spread across the world through every age of time. You see, when you read through the book of James, when you come across, he uses this phrase often. He uses this word, brother, my brothers, my dear brothers. Now, political correctness in these days, they cause us to miss. We get all a bit huffy about that sort of language. We, we will miss the beautiful sense of community. He is writing to people he has never met, never known, will probably never see this side of eternity. And he says, my dear brothers. Beautiful sense of community. Those who love Jesus, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are in Christ together. I kept this community, James says, is based on. He says, This: My brothers, as believers in our Lord, glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. He says, My brothers, as believers in Christ, don't, don't show favoritism. He then goes on to say. Later, love your neighbour as yourself. He's talking to them, saying, love your neighbour as yourself. Talking about community. We are a people who are knit together by Jesus Christ. He then, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy, those are us. We have no right to come and stand before God, but Jesus has made it possible. He's dealt with a wrong Uh, The Bible calls it sin, our wrong attitude, our independence, our pride from God and Jesus has dealt with it. When he died on the cross, he took the punishment that was ours so that we could enter into the presence of a God who is not like us. The Bible calls it holy and we can draw near to God and we can come close because of what Jesus has done. That's what the writer is saying. He, He says this, Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. Jesus, Father, the Father Jesus came to show is now our Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. What an amazing truth that is. We stand here this morning as brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus. And we're to treat people as God treats us, with compassion, without favoritism. Are we perfect? No, we're not. And so we need to hear what James is saying and as we unpick that in coming weeks, what we'll remember is this, it's about community, it's about culture and culture culture is worked out best in community, rubbing shoulders with one another. And here we come to the the last thing and we're going to finish with this. The last layer that I want to draw out, the last, if you like, layer of paint that James lays out. His opening letter, opening to the letter indicates that this letter was written, written following the scattering of the church. Uh, the word is, is, uh, is diaspora. It's the, it was, it was the, 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 the early church being pushed out of Jerusalem. And what had happened was there was persecution. And what happens in, it's in Acts chapter 8, you read that Stephen, one of the early uh, leading lights of the church has been, uh, has been martyred and as a result of it there's a big persecution that kicks off against the church in Jerusalem. They'd not known anything like it before, they'd had a bit but suddenly it's really tough and everyone is pushed out, the church is pushed out of Jerusalem and, and just the leaders stay and it's called the diaspora and so actually these, these group of uh, young young Christian believers they travel and some of them go to they go to different cities some go to Antioch some go to Samaria and wherever they go they gather together and they start to worship Jesus and as they do that they reach out to the community around them and the church just starts to grow in all of these places and in the midst of persecution actually the church starts to grow those who were scattered they preached the word wherever they they went now, we may not live in days of, that we experience persecution like they experienced. But there are many, many, many people around the world who are being persecuted, are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. Every day, every day, hundreds and hundreds of people are being, are being martyred for their faith in Christ. It may not happen here. Actually, it's more subtle here. We live in a world where they're happy to tolerate as long as we don't do certain things, as long as we don't say certain things, as long as we play ball with the culture of the day. I tell you, the temptation to do what they say and live the way and say the things they want is really strong. Now, we're not out there to, we're not to be a people who deliberately antagonise, but we stand for the truth, the truth in Christ. And and I tell you, when we do that, they are not going to love us they don't love us they won't love us for saying that Jesus Christ is the only way to God only way to God that's what the Bible says that's what Jesus said people will say I'll always lead to God I want to tell you that's not what Jesus said Jesus said he is the only way to the Father they won't love us when we stand up and speak the truth in love You see, the pressure to water down the gospel is as great as it was in James' day. And James is writing to encourage us to press on. He said, because one day Jesus is coming back, there's a certainty that Jesus will come back and he'll wrap everything up. He will deal with it all. And we need to be sure of where we're going. And James reminds us that there is a coming judgment and those that press through, there is a reward. And we need to stand firm because Jesus is coming back. James is a book for our day. James is written for people like us. He's written for Hope Church and churches like Hope Church. James wants us to know that Jesus Christ is central to everything. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other. He wants us to know that we're to be a people committed to the truth. Committed to Christ, committed to be people who are word and spirit. Listen to the word, read the word, but allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate it and speak it into our lives. Make it come alive to us. He wants us to know that we're to be a people who embrace heaven's culture. Not the culture of the world around us. He wants us to know that we're to be a people who enjoy being part of the community of the King. And he wants us to be people who are certain of their future. Above and beyond all, James would want us to know that we're to be people who bow the knee to Christ. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. James bowed the knee. We live in days where actually many will not bow the knee. We live in days when it's easy to... Almost like we say we we bow the knee, Jesus, I'm yours. And then we suddenly find ourselves knowing that actually it's something we need to do daily. Almost bow the knee to him. This is what it says. Maybe the musicians will come out and join me. But this is what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form. He did that for you and for me. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow. Maybe you're here this morning if you've never bowed the knee. You've heard me talk about Jesus and you're thinking, yeah, I want to do that. There's a moment. There's a moment as we worship to say, Jesus, I bow my knee to you. I give my life to you. I receive what you did for me on the cross. Maybe you want to find out a bit more. Maybe you need to respond and go talk to someone at, at the Alpha, uh, about Alpha at the Connect Points and sign up and do Alpha with us. Maybe this morning you know that actually... Jesus, you want Jesus to be a to put you struggling with. There's, there's issues you're struggling with, and you know you need to bow the knee over that issue. I think there's a moment we need to respond.